This election is a choice. This election will determine whether we can come together. This election is absolutely crucial. What's really important, of course, is 12 us in a giant stress-free rifle. Please explain. You're listening to the 4ZZZ Breaks the Election podcast. Hello, election watchers. Welcome to the 4ZZZ Breaks the Election podcast, where our newsroom breaks down what's happening in the election for May 11, 2022, just 10 full campaigning days till the federal election. My name's Alexis Pink. I'm the news coordinator for 4ZZZ. Joining us today is the 4ZZZ newsroom. Hi, I'm Dan. I'm a final year journalism student at UQ. Hey, I'm Harry. I'm a journalism student at QT. I'm Lucci. I'm a copywriter. On today's podcast, Joyce preferences a One Nation ghost, Albanese backs a big minimum wage rise, the Greens talk justice for First Nations people, and the prospects of the revision of Griffith. Let's start at the top. Who wants to tell me about Barnaby Joyce? Well, Barnaby Joyce has announced his decision to give his vote preferences to One Nation candidate Richard Thomas. Joyce defended his decision by saying that the One Nation party of today had little in common with the party that existed 15 years ago, and that he makes his choices based on who will do the least damage to the nation. Very little is known about One Nation candidate Richard Thomas, except that he's a salesman living in West End, Queensland. He does not appear on the party's website, nor did he appear at the candidates' forum in Tamworth, failing to provide a photo or campaign material in his absence. It's not clear as to whether Joyce has spoken to Thomas at all. This move follows a trend of about a dozen One Nation ghost candidates, which refer to candidates who are elected to run, but have never been heard by the people in their electorate, often living thousands of kilometres away from the seats they're running in. But we're not talking about an inner city seat where One Nation isn't supposed to be doing well. We're talking about New England, which is a regional seat. Why is it, why is it do you think, that One Nation are having so much trouble finding locals for regional seats? Do you think it has anything to do with the fact that they're not established in those areas, which is why they're enacting these sort of ghost candidate networks to establish themselves more? People would rather go with a candidate they do know well in those regional seats. Traditionally, the coalition has not wanted to preference One Nation, mostly because of accusations that they might be a little bit racist. (laughs) So when Barnaby Joyce says something like, this is not the party of 15 years ago, he's trying to distance one nation from racism, right? Mm. Mm. So he can preference them safely. Mm. Mm. Has it worked? It seems like it's a fairly hard argument to be making when Pauline Hanson is still doing, you know, very similar things to what she was doing 15 years ago, is still the figurehead of the party. Yeah. Barnaby Joyce, though, doesn't seem to have the same clout that he once did as well. So it seems like he is tying himself to one nation in sort of a bid to just sort of put his eggs in multiple baskets as well. Okay, so Anthony Albanese, what's happening with this minimum wage rise? So Anthony Albanese has endorsed a minimum wage increase of at least 5.1% in order to keep up with inflation. Albanese told ABC reporters that it's untenable for workers to face stagnant wages when the cost of living is expected to rise. I believe very firmly that people who are on the minimum wage, which is just $20.33, shouldn't fall further behind, he said. The endorsement was made on Tuesday after the Australian Council of Trade Unions called for an increase in wages from $20.33 an hour to $21.45 an hour. Finance Minister Simon Birmingham has told reporters that Albanese's commitments were made without a shred of analysis to back his position. On what Simon Birmingham said about that, that he doesn't have a shred of analysis to back his position, 
does that matter to people who are on minimum wage? I don't think so. If yeah. he's made that commitment, then that sounds a hell of a lot better than, well, you know, we've done all this analysis and we couldn't possibly make that commitment. Mm. This is a pitch at um, Working Class Australia, obviously. A move away from ALP line in recent times of talking about sort of high-level environmental and industry policy. It's very targeted. Is this sort of a shift back to a more traditional Labour Party frame? Absolutely. And I think it goes hand in hand with their housing affordability focus as well. They're sort of dual in one. They're targeting renters. They're sort of targeting people who might be able to afford their first home. And yeah, they're also targeting people on a minimum wage, which is definitely their traditional base. So I'll tell you about one other party that's been pushing on minimum wage and housing for quite a while. (laughs) Um, The Greens. (laughs) Does this show that there's a little bit of vulnerability by Labor on these particular issues? Yeah, like, um, as we're going to be discussing a bit later about the seat of Griffith, there's you know, it's very contested between Labour and Greens and to kind of have the Greens, you know, more traditionally have that front-facing party for the working class, which, you know, traditionally was Labour. For Labour to pivot back to that is kind of kind of an attack on the Greens, like the kind of, you know, scoop up a voter base that was traditionally theirs back in the day. While we're talking about the Greens, let's move on. What is happening with this um, Aboriginal justice policy that the Greens have in mind? Well, the Greens are wanting to establish a commitment to put more funding into organisations that defend First Nations people in the justice system. Included in the commitment is an extra $310 million a year to the National Legal Assistance Partnership, which coordinates legal aid and support for First Nations people. Green Senate candidate and former barrister David Shoebridge, who announced the policy earlier this week, has said that current services are doing the best they can when dealing with such a high workload. We have a racist criminal justice system that focuses on First Nations people and does not resource First Nations people to fight their causes, he said. Too often they're forced to take the plea and accept the conviction. All right, so let's talk about why this is being brought up now at all. Um, It's not a common issue to see in the uh, mainstream. Mm. Is there a driver to this particular issue? Well, it definitely is like a a topic not discussed because... you know, it does have to deal with a kind of marginalised community and, like, for, you know, for the big major parties, they kind of want to focus on as many people as possible. But it's definitely an issue that needs to be discussed. Like, you know, when we think of, like, you know, issues in the justice system, we don't, like, really think about it, like, too often. It's kind of pushed to the wayside. But, you know, minor parties like the Greens, they get to talk about it more often. Yeah. So it should be said that no one in this room is Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander mm. re- at all. Nope. So we don't know how this will impact people directly. Mm. But we should also mention the Greens' current approach to the Uluru Statement as well mm. and how it's slightly deviated away from that norm. Is this mm. a sort of approach to sort of bringing that camp back in and you know addressing real issues associated mm. with that? I was going to mention that it's sort of like a grounding policy to sort of reach the people and communities and I suppose in the Greens' estimation affect more real change than than the statement itself. Interesting. All right, so while we're talking about the Greens, I feel like we're talking about the Greens a lot today. (laughs) A lot of Greens, yeah. Yeah, so let's talk about the inner city seat of Griffith and its prospects during this election. It's a local one to us. 
What's going on there? So the Greens have said that they think the inner city Brisbane seat of Griffith is the second most winnable division for them behind Adam Bant's safe seat in Melbourne. Uh, the division, which is made up of 57 square kilometres of Brizzy, including West End, South Brisbane, out to Mount Gravatt East and Cannon Hill, has been a Labor seat for over two decades. It was held by Kevin Rudd until 2013 and has been in the hands of Terry Butler since then. Terry Butler is the Shadow Minister for the Environment and Water and has already said that she expects a hell of a fight for the seat. She's going up against the Greens' Max Chandler-Mather, who needs a 3.5% swing to snag the seat. Locals in Griffith, Griffith have indicated that affordable housing is a big issue for them as nearly half of the residents inside Griffith are renters. So that's where we come back to our, top, our topic about public housing and one of the big focuses for Labor in this election has been around public housing. Yep. So Labor could be feeling the Greens at their heels because of the results of the 2020 state election in Queensland, where Jackie Trad was ousted by the Greens in fairly spectacular fashion. So there were a couple of factors in that election that we should probably talk about. One, Jackie Trad's personal reputation at the time was highly tarnished from several investigations into her various actions as the member for South Brisbane and her actions as the treasurer. The other part was the LNP preference the Greens over Labour in that seat, which flipped the preference flow as well. So at this election, it looks like the Liberal Party have put the Greens last. Will they have a big effect on the prospects for the Greens in that election? I don't think so. I mean, they usually put them last. I don't see how that new choice would make a huge difference. Also, the dynamics in these two seats are slightly different. Mm. The federal seat has a big block of LNP voting people overall. They're usually the primary vote winner in that area. Whereas at the state level, slightly different, the LNP doesn't poll quite as well in the slightly smaller seat and usually finishes third, yeah, right. which means the distribution of preferences will make a difference. Mm. That's all the time that we've got for the podcast today. Thank you for listening to the 4ZZZ Breaks the Election podcast. For more news, head to 4ZZZ.org.au forward slash news or listen to 4ZZZ on 102.1 FM on DAB Plus Digital Radio via the 4ZZZ website or on your favourite podcasting app. If you have a tip-off or feedback about the show, please email us, newsroom at 4ZZZ.org.au. And if you'd like to support us here on 4ZZZ, you can go to 4ZZZ.org.au forward slash support and subscribe or make a donation today. Thank you for joining us today. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thanks.